time for another episode of Library Gals Go to the Library, where your favorite bookworms give our recommendations from the Delaware County District Library. So don't worry, we'll help you find something new to get lost in. Welcome back to another October edition of Library Gals Go to the Library. It's Katie, and I am lucky enough to be recording in our audio booth at Orange with Mandy. Hi, Mandy. Mandy is the manager of the Powell Branch and my fellow sister in spookiness. Twisted Sisters. Twisted Sisters. I love it. And we are really um, excited to talk about all things horror today, we are going to share not only our top five scary, spooky, creepy things that we enjoyed this year, but we also have a guest who couldn't make it today. We have Via and Via's top five as well. So we are just going to bounce back and forth and share all of our favorite scary things with you. These are not all things that came out this year. They are just things that we happen to watch or play or listen to this year. So we have just tons of scary, scary things. So hopefully at least one of these things will appeal to you. And I am going to start off. I think I'll start off with one of Via's recommendations. Let's go through Via's list and then we'll do it. Oh, that sounds like a great idea. Okay. So we'll go through Via's top five horror. Via has very good taste. Oh my gosh. She has amazing taste in horror. Mm -hmm. I asked for recommendations from Orange staff members and outreach staff members, and Via probably gave me 15 Mm -hmm. in, you know, (laughs) like a couple minutes. It was great. Uh, So the first pick is Nice House on the Lake, Volume 1, which is a graphic novel by James Tyrion IV. We have the summary here. Everyone who was invited to the house knows Walter. Well, they know him a little anyway. Some met him in childhood. Some met him months ago. And Walter's always been a little off. But after the hardest year of their lives, nobody was going to turn down Walter's invitation to an astonishingly beautiful house in the woods overlooking an enormous sylvan lake. Sylvan is such a good word. It's such a good word. <laughs> it's beautiful, it's opulent, it's private. So a week of putting up with Walter's weird little schemes and nicknames in exchange for the vacation of a lifetime? Why not? All of them were at that moment in their lives when they could feel themselves pulling away from their other friends. Wouldn't a chance to reconnect be nice? In the nice house on the lake, the overriding anxieties of the 21st century get a terrifying new face, and it might just be the face of the person you once trusted most. Oof. Via says, I am obsessed with this comic. I can also vouch for that because Via picked it as one of the um, comic book club picks this year. (laughs) Uh, I'm pretty sure that's one that they're doing. I could be wrong, though. Uh, I had no idea where it was going to go at any moment, even after reading the summary, and that made it all the more exhilarating to to read. The art is beautiful and creepy at the same time, looking like watercolor at some points. The story is original, the characters are all complex and interesting, and the villain is gray. I love when characters don't feel good or bad because you get to see the intentions they have, and the events taking place are too complex for black and white. It feels much more human, and Walter is one of the most fascinating characters Mm -hmm. I've ever read. That's how Via wrote it. (laughs) It's an unlimited run comic. It's a limited run comic that only has 12 issues. The second volume comes out at the beginning of 2023. It's part of Joe Hill's Hill House comic <gasps> oh, imprint. Okay. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Which focuses on unique horror stories. That guy. Yeah, we all love he's, Joe Hill. He's coming up in one of my recommendations. Absolutely. The love bro. Him. Yes, the dude. for sure. <laughs> 
All right, so that is The Nice House on the Lake, Volume 1. All right, her next recommendation is called Saint Maud. Saint Maud, or Maud, she's not saying it at this time. (laughs) Maud, a newly devout hospice nurse, becomes obsessed with saving her dying patient's soul, but sinister forces and her own sinful past threaten to put an end to her holy calling. That sounds really good already. Uh-huh. <laughs> so Via says, this film was amazing and rewards the patient. It is a psychological horror that will have you switching back and forth over what you think is happening. I felt unnerved the entire film, which sounds terrible, but remember, it's a horror film. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Via's like, I enjoy being unnerved. I like being scared. It's what we want in a movie. We're a strange breed. <laughs> <laughs> the sounds and visual effects, this is the director, uh, Rose Glass's first full-length film. She did an excellent job. I'll be watching out for more of her films. Um, this one sounds like a movie I just watched called The Power that's about... Oh, that um, one's so good. Oh, it was so good. Yes. It's about a nurse who's working in the 70s during the British blackouts. Mm-hmm. And the whole um, the whole hospital goes dark every night and all the weird stuff that starts to happen. Oh, it's so. so creepy. So if you saw The Power and you liked it, V recommends St. Maud. Absolutely. St. Maud is available on DVD to request through the library. And if you are a subscriber to Amazon Prime, you can also stream St. Maud. Uh, the Power, I believe, is a Shutter exclusive. I believe it is. Sorry. Uh, sorry. I love my Shutter access. You can get a free, um, limited, uh, um, not sponsored by Shutter, by no, the no. way. No, no, we just love them. <laughs> you can get a limited uh, subscription or a sneak preview of Shutter. I would say check too for anything that's on Shutter. They have released some on DVD. Yeah. Their version of La Llorona oh, was real good. It was so my favorite good. version of La Llorona. It was put a- so much mustard on that ball. I love that one. Oh, I love it too. Um, all right, next we have a, I believe this is a book, Echo, by Thomas Old Huvelt. H e u v e l t. After a terrible accident high in the Alps, travel journalist Nick Grievers wakes from a coma to find that his climbing buddy Augustine is missing and presumed dead. But Nick claims to not remember anything, even whatever horrible event that led to his maimed face and the plastic surgery that leaves him still in bandages, bandages and feeling like a B movie monster. Sam, Nick's long-suffering boyfriend, wants to be glad that Nick is alive and coming home. But the accident has stirred up terrible memories, and it's beginning beginning to seem that Sam isn't just being haunted by his own mistakes or Nick's own trauma. Because it turns out that though Nick was the only body airlifted off that mysterious peak, he didn't come home alone after all. And now their uninvited guest is awake. <sighs> <sighs> Uh, Via says, as our shuddering subsides, <laughs> this book has incredible atmosphere. It sounds like it. You feel like you're on the mountains when reading Nick's diaries. It manages to balance truly scary writing with humor mixed in between thanks to Sam's personality. The characters all feel modern, relatable, and individual, so you've never confused with who is speaking or experiencing things. That sounds really good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I feel like all of these sound really good. We're just amping up all of our to-read lists. And this is adding to our list, too. It is. <laughs> all right, so the fourth of, her, of five of her recommendations, The Book of Horror, Anatomy of Film of Fear in Film by Matt Glasby. This book discusses a plethora of ho- different horror movies from the post-war to modern times. It breaks down their scariest moments using seven film techniques most effectively used in horror throughout the years and explains why they remain terrifying today. That's super interesting because... Yeah. As you can, if you read this book, you can ana- do an analysis of your own horror favorites more effectively. Mm-hmm. 
Via says, I stumbled upon this book after reading about St. Maud because it mentioned it in the book. It was right up my alley, and my favorite part of it was the section at the end of each film chapter that gives recommendations for films like the one discussed in the book. It basically helped me pick out new horror movies to watch based on what the scare tactics work on me rather than just subject matter. Such a good idea. So, I don't like a jump scare except for the one in Exorcist 3. And then, like, <laughs> but I do like uh, scenes without music. I think mm-hmm. that's very effective. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, I definitely recommend it to any horror film wanting to dive a little deeper into film study. Again, we are not sponsored by Shudder. If you want something similar, the 101 Scariest Horror Movie Moments that they're filming right now. It's incredible. It's so fun. The Exorcist uh, 3 Scariest Moment. Three. Like, that yeah. conversation was so great. I oh, so like good. Exorcist 3 more than one. Don't at me. <laughs> it's a better movie. <laughs> Absolutely. All right, and we have one more recommendation from Via. And again, Via, thank you so much for sharing these with us. We wish you could be here. Uh, so this next one is Dead Center. When a very dead suicide victim disappears from the morgue, it sets in motion a chain of events that has the power to emulate everything and everyone it touches. Uh, and this was a film. This is actually a film I had not heard of. Huh. Um, so it was it directed by Shane Carruth. Via says, I've been a fan of Shane Carruth's directing for a while now. He directed the sci-fi films Primer and Upstream Color. Did you see Primer? Nope. Time Loop movie? Mm-hmm. Oh, really creepy. Good, really good, and done on a super low budget. Hmm. Uh, his foray into horror has him as the main actor. Oh, interesting. This film is creepy in the best way. The pacing is consistent, giving you just enough info to keep you interested before another unsettling moment happens. It's also a smart horror film that doesn't spoon-feed you what's happening, but yeah, gives nice. you enough to reveal the f- enough reveal to figure things out while still leaving the dread of the unknown to make you want more before it ends. That is dead center. Love it. Thanks, Via. Thanks, Via. All right. Do you want to go ahead next with your next recommendation? Okay. Um, I'm going to start with a book because I'm a librarian. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Excellent. Um, it's a little-known author named Stephen King. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I talked about this on the radio show like a week ago, so I'm not going to say too much. But his new one, Fairy Tale, is very spooky, very atmospheric. I am a latecomer to Stephen King. I definitely liked Joe Hill before I liked Stephen King. Okay. So, um I would say, like, I, I've read Carrie. I haven't read any of the other old ones, and I've read most of his new stuff going forward. Got so it. I don't know the classic King stuff, but I do know the... Um, sorry, I'm taking off my necklace, visit, viewer, listeners, <laughs> not viewers, because I realized it was clinking, and that's annoying to y'all. Sorry, okay, it's off. Um, <laughs> so I like the new Stephen King. I definitely love the Mercedes trilogy. Fairy Tale is about a kid. It starts out if Stephen King wrote his own like life. It starts out it, very classically Stephen King. It's a kid whose mom passes away in a really nasty way, suddenly, violently, mm-hmm. and but there's no, it's not a murder, there's nobody they can blame, so it's just sad. He's 10, the dad instantly becomes an alcoholic, like at the funeral becomes oh, an alcoholic. Gosh. He was a casual drinker before that, can't handle it, instantly like loses his job, he's like really down and out. Kid keeps having nightmares that of himself carrying his belongings in a milk crate. Like, he's like, we're going to be homeless. We're going to live out of the car. Mm. The house doesn't belong to us. Every month he's propping up drunk dad to sign checks when he has no idea how much money is in those accounts. And he, at some point, he's not religious, but he gets on his knees. He's like, God, if you make him go sober, I will owe you a favor. And whatever it is, I will do it. Dad, the next day, one of his ex-coworkers comes in, shows him AA, he gets sober. There are a couple little stumbling blocks, but stays sober, starts his own business, doing very well. 
And the kid is like, all right, I'm going to have to do this favor. Like, when's it coming? Like, when's it going to hit? And then a little old mean guy down the street with a deadly dog that he describes as Cujo. Like, stop. <laughs> this this neighbor that everybody's like, I don't know what this guy's got going on, but he never talks to anybody. He's in this little creepy Victorian house. They call it the Psycho House, which I was That's here for. That's pretty great. Uh-huh. But he falls, breaks his leg in multiple places. Kid has to take care of the dog so it doesn't have to be put down. And then he agrees to be caretaker for the old guy. The old guy, though, is paying his medical bills with little BBs made out of solid gold that are in a bucket upstairs. And there's a thing that lives in the shed. So (laughs) fairy tale is alluding, obviously, to a dark fairy tale atmospheric thing with this. Uh I'm not done. It's like 700 pages long. Uh, Of course. I'm working on it. Um, Stephen King, I think the thing he does really well, two things, character building and believable um, world building. Yeah. I don't like fantasy. I don't like sci-fi, really. I like horror, and I like comedy, and I like real. I like documentaries. Mm -hmm. So believable world building to me is something that even if it's supernatural, you, it's not like, it's thoughtful. It's smart. So the characters are great. Um, Even the dog is an amazing character. (laughs) So if you like Stephen King... Um, I would recommend it. If you don't like Stephen King, don't read Stephen King. <laughs> sure, exactly. Like, if you don't like... like At this no, point, you know. You know, know yourself. Yeah, yeah for so, sure. Yeah, it just came out. It's called Fairy Tale. It's pretty long. The audio is wonderful, and it's narrated by the same kid who narrated Joyland for people who like Stephen oh, King. Oh, nice. Excellent. I always love finding a narrator I like and sticking with them, too. Me, too. Um, I have a book to recommend as well. Um, this is a book called Road of Bones by Christopher Golden. I am borrowing heavily from, uh, I use my descriptions from Goodreads. I'm a terrible retainer of information when it comes to reading books. Mm. I remember covers, I remember authors, I remember titles, and I remember how a book makes me feel after I read it. the atmosphere. But within three weeks, a month of reading a book, I will forget almost every detail about the title. You so read a lot, though. I do so read a lot. I, read I do, much. and I try to keep <laughs> up with a lot. And this one I really loved. And I am I tried to pick a few books that people may not have heard of. Yeah. So The Road of Bones, the description is the, about the uh, Kolyma Highway, K-O-L-Y-M-A. Kolyma? It's Russian. How much mustard do you want? I know, right? Kolyma. Kolyma. (laughs) (laughs) Otherwise known as the Road of Bones is a 1,200-mile stretch of Siberian road Mm. where winter temperatures can drop as low as 60 degrees below zero. Under Stalin, at least 80 Soviet gulags were built along the route (laughs) to supply the USSR with a readily available workforce. And over time, hundreds of thousands of prisoners died in the midst of their labors. Their bodies were buried where they fell, plowed wow. under the permafrost underneath the road. Wow. Uh, this follows a film crew making a documentary about the Road of Bones. <laughs> so that's so good. So they have, um, uh, there's a documentary producer. Teague is the nickname of the producer. When he learns about the Road of Bones, he realizes he stumbled upon untapped potential. Accompanied by his camera operator, Teague hires a local Yakut guide to take them to... Man, I really should have researched these more. Omiyakin. Om- om- <laughs> om- om- <laughs> om- om- <laughs> the coldest settlement on Earth. 
Teague is fascinated by the culture along the Road of Bones and encounters strange characters on the way to the town. But when the team arrives, they find the village mysteriously abandoned apart from a mysterious nine-year-old girl. Ah. Then chaos ensues, which is my favorite ending to every description ever. (laughs) Chaos ensues. This book really was a page-turner for me. They Mm. set a tone so quickly you could feel how cold it was. Mm. It has lots of imagery. Um, Think the thing. Think, um, like, uh, so this abandoned village also parts of it with this random creepy girl alone in an empty house reminded me a lot of let the let me in or let the right one in yeah um it is completely desolate there are so few people in this town and everything about it is just completely dreadful but it also intertwines a lot of folk horror mm-hmm. because these villages are so isolated. They, All of the people that live there, they have their own belief system. Mm-hmm. They have their own faith. They have their own monsters mm-hmm. in their folklore. And it's a really quick read. I could not put it down. So creepy. So cold. This might be a good winter read for anyone who or wants a horror book. A good book. summer read if you hate summer. Or if you like hate summer and you need to be chilled down. Um, so that was Road of Bones. And I kind of picked that up. Uh, on a, a whim, and I really enjoyed it. Did you do it uh, physical or audio? I did read the physical book. Okay. Yep. I like audio, so I'm always curious. I I'll guess I should have. Audio I should have done the audio because then I would know how to pronounce all the yeah. Russian terms. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I guess I'll do next. I'll do my ne- uh, my only other non movie. Okay. Um, I wanted to do a game. Um, this is called The Closing Shift. I have to apologize, though. This is not available through the library. This is a Steam title. But it was so creepy. I want to talk about it anyway. Mm-hmm. So I apologize. This isn't a freebie one. Um, but Steam at least supports local. like, Or it supports, like, mom like, and pop game yeah. stuff. So, so The Closing Shift is about a girl who works at off-brand Starbucks in Japan. Okay. And her boss is a horrible jerk. Her boss is, like, the worst. <laughs> like, as soon as she walks in, he's like, nobody want to date you. And she's like, what? Yeah. Like, she's so mean. So, at first, you're like, this is the most boring video game I've ever played. Because you're just making drinks and getting pastries for customers for an amount of time. <laughs> it's And it's like, oh, it was, they're like... Um, they're all like off-brand Star or uh, Star Trek. I'm, I'm just doing Geekfest mode from last year. <laughs> right? They're off-brand Starbucks names. Like oh, I forget what the the frappuccinos called. It was um, Chinchillachino, something like that. <laughs> <laughs> so for you're like, what is going to happen? Like nothing's happening in this video game. I'm just making drinks, and it's a pace too. Like this is like rush hour, like busy, busy. shift. So I guess from the name you can imply she's working the closing shift. Uh-huh. She's working the quiet, like late night shift. So. You work an entire day at this restaurant, and literally nothing happens. Like, you hear a couple conversations. They're a little weird, but you think, like, oh, customers are just weird. And then you come back day two. Boss, again, horrible jerk. Like, awful. And, again, you're just making drinks. And you're like, okay, nothing's happening. Like, what is happening? But at the same time, the gamer part of me, at least, was like, I have to make these drinks right. Like, I'm going to have to remake it if I don't make this drink. I'm going to get customer complaints. Uh-huh. Like, I'm, I went into customer service mode and was like, i got to do a good drink right now. <laughs> And, like, they have recipes for all of them, and you have to do the blender, and it's really, like, it's complicated gameplay just to make, just to make the drinks. Make the Starbucks, yeah. right? Uh-huh. So, the end of the second night, she's cleaning up, and there was a dude that was like, can I have your number? And he was really pushy, but again, you're like, okay, like, when you work, like, food service, and sometimes Everyone people are Everyone creepy. And yeah. Uh-huh. She's cleaning up the tables at the end of the night, and there's, like, napkin. Like, it's like your job is clean up tables. Uh-huh. So it's like napkin, napkin, cup, cup. 
And then she finds a Polaroid picture of herself on the table. Oh. And that starts, like, these kind of strange things happening. Um, she's totally by herself. There's nobody else working there. It's dark. There's a drive through too, so there's a screen to outdoors oh. that you can see stuff from outside. Oh. So... Uh, I would say it's 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 very atmospheric. It's very creepy. I kind of hate first person horror games. I get too freaky. <laughs> I can watch a movie all day long, but first person horror games, it's like, oh, you're actually like there, kind of. You're in it. So it's very short. I would say gameplay hour total. It's maybe like ten, eight hours, ten hours, something okay. like that. And how much so, of that is just making chinchillas? I mean, in a mountain is the chinchillas. <laughs> I don't know if they're really called that or something like that. So, yeah, the closing shift. Again, apologize. If you want something for the library that's similar, I would try, like, a maybe a Bioshock or a Silent Hill. Those mm-hmm. are both kind of in that vein of, like, spooky. Um, I played a great game a couple years ago called Firewatch that I believe we have access to, too, for PS4. That was, it was like that you were a, a park ranger at the end of the season, and there's this fire kind of coming, and all this weird stuff starts to happen, and all you have is your radio. So if you like other first person and you want to get it from the library, those are good titles. If you happen to have Steam already, uh, yeah, The Closing Shift. Closing Shift. Awesome. That Creepy. sounds great. It was good. Um, I realized as we were chatting here that we actually didn't compare notes, so we don't know if we have any duplicates or not. And my next title is a movie. Okay. It's a movie that came out this year, and it is Nope. Did you no, see I haven't Nope? Seen, no oh, spoilers. No. No spoilers. There, this is going to be the shortest review oh, ever. I haven't okay. seen it yet. I'm going to read. I really want to see it. I'm going to read the description. I'm going to read a couple things, and I'm not going to spoil it, I promise. <sighs> Two siblings who run a California horse ranch discover something wonderful and sinister in the skies above, and the owner of an adjacent theme park tries to profit from the mysterious otherworldly phenomenon. That is straight from our library catalog. Okay. okay. That is not like even less description than probably what's on the back of the box okay. of the DVD. Okay. Um, Daniel Kaloya is in this, and he starred in Get Out. That was really his breakout role for uh, him and Jordan Peele. And he absolutely steals the show. Absolutely 100% is so remarkable. He has grown so much as an actor. Like, you cannot stop watching him. He's just so intense and so great at what he does. Um, the it, And I even have it here. It is best to walk into this movie without any knowledge of what to okay, expect. Okay, okay. Go into it fresh. Go into it ready to enjoy being unsettled for the entire run. There's nothing I can do to describe it that wouldn't spoil it for yeah. anyone. So... Go see Nope. If you haven't watched any of Jordan Peele's other films, I still haven't seen Us. Oh my it was gosh. Get out. Yeah, Us is uh, Us is very scary. I watched Get Out like six times. <laughs> I love Jordan Peele deeply yeah. into my heart. Yep. Um, so yeah, Nope was one of the best movies I saw all year, horror or otherwise. It was it was so fantastic. I love to see somebody who you know is obsessed with horror like contribute to the medium Uh uh-huh because you know it's legitimate you know it's not fake jordan peele is so obsessed with horror i saw a great meme that was him dressed in an entire he went to an interview dressed as jack torrance from the shining (laughs) and the the quote at the bottom just i'll take the cuss word out but the quote at the bottom said jordan peele is dressed as jack torrance stuff about to go down (laughs) i was like yeah like literally showing up for interviews just as jack torrance like i love it so so good i hope he makes horror forever forever for the rest of time yeah i love him so much we don't deserve him he's so pure and golden yes indeed it's yeah go see nope yeah, I'm going to go see it. I'm yeah, going to. Get it. That is available for on DVD. I think it just came out, uh, or it's soon to be released. So library will get copies. Get yourself on hold for that one. So I have uh, three movies to talk about. I guess I'm going to go one that I don't even want to say like least my least favorite to most favorite, but the one that kind of impacted me 
uh, a lot, but not as much as the other. I don't know. I can't decide. One of these is a little schlocky, and the other two are serious. Okay. So it's, it's hard let's, to tell. Let's leave schlocky for the end. Okay, I'm leaving we'll, schlocky we'll for We'll go schlocky. Go okay, on schlock. So, so 0% schlock uh, is Black Phone, starring Ethan oh, Hawke, yes. which is not a brand new movie that came out this year. Based on, and here's where our buddy Joe Hill comes in, based off of a Joe Hill short story okay. from the collection 20th Century Ghosts. So mm-hmm. That's his first short story collection. Um, the story and the movie are both about a kid who gets kidnapped by this uh, child predator nicknamed the Grabber. Mm-hmm. His buddy has just been kidnapped. There are kids in the neighborhood. There are all these, like, have you seen this kid poster all over. Um, the kid's dad is an alcoholic. Um he has a sister, and they're really close. There's some abuse in the family. The mom's either gone or dead. I can't remember. The mom's yeah. not in the picture. Yeah. Um, I think she's dead. I think she's dead. In the movie, I think that yeah, she has in died. The, in the short story, it's hard to tell. But so a kid gets kidnapped, thrown in this basement. You can tell that it's, like, all soundproof. Like, there's just no chance this kid's getting out of this basement. Um, in the movie, or in the story, I imagine it is, like, a 50s ranch basement with those little slit windows. In the movie, it's, like, like... A prison. It's dungeon it's, it's level. It's dungeon, yeah. yeah. But so there is this black phone on the wall that the cord's cut. You can see the cord's cut. It's an old rotary phone. Like in the movie, it's like an ancient phone. Mm-hmm. Like I pictured my grandparents' phone, but black. And the my grandparents had an actual like rotary phone. Yeah. <laughs> but so uh, the cord's cut. The phone does not work. The phone rings. And it's the kids who have been murdered by this predator trying to help this kid escape. Mm-hmm. Spooky premise. Um, the thing I liked in the movie was his friend who was this really, like, scrappy kid. I mean, there's a scene where he just wails on this other kid. Yeah. And he gets taken. And the sense when this kid gets taken, it's like, man, if they got Robin, I'm done. Right. Like, this kid was, like, was jumping up and taking names. Um, Ethan Hawke is super creepy as the bad guy. Um, I don't want to give away... Too much, but it was definitely um, super, uh, like, the, the setting is really good. There are some really, like, heartbreaking scenes mm-hmm. of addiction with the dad who's, like, really gone. And the daughter um, shines just a little more than a little. Yeah. The sun shines just a little, too. Uh-huh. So there's a little bit of supernaturalness in it or a little bit of, like, extra sensory stuff. Um, acted beautiful. These kid actors are, like, genius. They were great. They were really, really good. It's good, like, kind of 80s set, 80s, 90s setting. 80s, right? Yeah, they, I think they it's 80s. They mentioned Texas Chainsaw Massacre being a new movie, so I, I think it's probably, like, 80s. Um, yeah, would recommend. Uh, shout out, my sister Katie Henning uh, swears that there is a reference in this movie to a 1990s uh, text based game called Hugo's House of Horrors that was available for like DOS. <laughs> Put in the comments <laughs> if you have re- yes. played Hugo's House of Horrors. If you haven't, archive.org, Hugo's House of Horrors. Oh my gosh. Play the whole thing. You will be furious at me. I don't care. It's <laughs> so annoying. It's one of those like open door. You don't have the key. Like, oh my God. <laughs> She swears there is a scene in Black Phone from that game. So if you okay. have seen both, please put please it in the comments. Please chime in. <laughs> I suspect we are the only humans on Earth who have done both. Oh, I <laughs> but love it. Yeah, it was great. Loved it. Um, the mask work in the movie the mask, is incredible, yeah, too. It's really like good. You, Ethan Hawke, if you didn't know it was Ethan Hawke for a long time, you wouldn't have known you wouldn't. it was you him. You totally wouldn't. Um, the mask design is is. 
terrifying in a good way. So I have one podcast to recommend. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, I love talking to people about podcasts because it's something that you don't get to share very often. I, I feel like I only find out about podcasts by hearing about them from other people or, you know, getting kind of the logarithm recommending something. But I never really like chat about them with people. So there's a horror story podcast called Spooked. Have you listened to Spooked? I haven't. The thing about Spooked that's a little different, because there are a lot of different types of podcasts. We have our true crime conversational podcast. You have lots of comedy podcasts, film review podcasts, like the one we're doing now. And then there are some that are fictionalized where they'll have like a, you know, it's like an auditory story where you have a movie for your ears. And then Luminary, or uh, Spooked, which is put out by Luminary, is so interesting to me because it is all true paranormal, creepy things that have happened to people, and they are telling their own story. Love it. They're probably coached a little bit. They're probably, you know, it's very well produced. It has a really unique soundtrack, which is written for every individual episode. But some of these stories are so chilling that they will stick with you forever. Some of them are so subtly creepy that that you believe that they are real. Like, they, these are, you can tell by listening to them that these things genuinely happen to these people. Whether you want to believe in the afterlife, ghosts, aliens, whatever it is, it's not so much that as it is that the person that's telling the story believes yeah, it. Right, and they right. are they are just sharing with you what happened to them. Um, the And, like, hear, hearing it in their own voice is really excellent. This comes out every year. They're on their seventh season right now. Each season has varying amounts of episodes. And, of course, being a monetary business, there are plenty of episodes behind a paywall. So you, if you're really into it, you can pay for it. I'm cheap. I don't subscribe to podcasts for money. So I'll listen to all the freebies. And I did check, and a couple of my favorite episodes are still free. Uh, one of them is called Matt's Flat. That is in the season that's on right now, um, and it's flat as in someone's apartment. Um, Matt lives there, and some really, (laughs) really wild things happen. Um, There's an episode from the first season called Lost in Time that is really, really great, and also uh, one called A Friend in the Forest. I'm not going to be able to spoil or give away any of things <laughs> because the people who lived these stories can tell them to you the best. Um, I have gone back to listen to a lot of these multiple times because the downtime between seasons really, really gets to me. I'm like, what's happening on Spooked? So um, it's just really, it's really creepy. It has all different flavors. You know, like I said, ghosts, aliens, paranormal. You take your pick and you'll find it on there. So that is Spooked and I love it. It reminds me of, have you ever seen Celebrity Ghost Stories? On? No, I haven't. Oh, everybody YouTube it. My favorite is Michael Imperioli who's staying at the Chelsea. Oh my gosh. I love, it's Christopher from oh, Sopranos. Yes. It's Christopher. <laughs> but it's like that too, where you kind of, you're like, I believe them because they believe themselves uh-huh. kind of thing. Yes. Some of them are funny, some are lame, but his. Mm. That's cool. Okay, so runner-up movie is, I don't know. I guess I'll do it. I'm, they're in no particular order. I keep struggling with what the order is. Uh, called The Clove Hitch Murder, um, starring Dylan McDermott in a very different role. Very. Uh, it is from 2018. This is not a brand new movie. I just was on Shutter the other day, kind of scrolling around, and I found it and really liked it. It is not even, a, like, it's not even hiding that it's based on the BTK killer, mm-hmm. like the real-life serial killer. Uh, it's basically, so 
for people who don't know, BTK, this murderer, he, he was like a serial killer for a span of decades. Long time. Had a wife, had kids, was a scout leader, volunteered for his church. Nobody knew that he was a serial killer until he was caught. Right. And all of us, I think, when I remember the day he got caught, all of us were like, hey, but how could he have a family? How could they not have known? So the, the premise of the Clove Hitch murders is there is this very conservative family with this dad who the parents are very strict. They have a couple younger kids and then a high schooler. He is a scout leader. It's all the same stuff. He volunteers for his church. He looks exactly like BTK down to the point where he's wearing outfits that you saw in the news. I mean, this is full on BTK. Yep. So one day, the kid, the young kid, the high schooler, steal, steal is a strong word. He gets in his dad's truck and sneaks over to make out with this girl that he's, he's got a crush on. Mm-hmm. And it's very sweet. She's at the church. Like, she goes to the church. It's very, he's being very, like, asking consent and sweet and, like, a nice kid. And she is into it. She's like, yeah, this kid's so cute. Like, you're like, all right, they're going to make out. And then... She accidentally reaches between the seats and pulls out this picture that's very, very sexual. I'm not going to say what it was, but uh-huh. it's very... This is not a children's movie by no. any stretch. And she goes, oh, are you into this stuff? And he's like, no, where did that come from? It's his dad's truck. So he has lied to her and told her it was his truck because mm-hmm. she was trying to make out with this hot girl. <laughs> so then this this rumor starts in their church that he's this, like, pervert, and he's not. He's a sweet kid, but it's not like he can ask his dad, where did this picture come from? So fast forward a little bit, he um, there's this shed that his dad always keeps locked, and he goes into the shed and finds this box of box after Oof. like picture after picture after creepy picture of like really nasty stuff, and at the same time his dad knows that he found it because he didn't mm-hmm. put the a combination lock back to zero. So you start to really Ooh. fear for the kid. You start, you for a while, you don't know if he's a serial killer or not, but as it progresses, there's also a girl in the town who is really desperately trying to solve these murders on her own because this killer is still at large. So I would say the way I described it to my, my sister had already seen it, obviously, because she loves horror. I described it as BTK with a much more satisfying ending. <laughs> like, it's the way that you, be, you wish BTK would have ended in a way, uh-huh. not, you know, the horrible way that it did. In a way. In a way, it's kind of not okay, the ending. But, right. But it is a lot more satisfying than real life. Um, very creepy. I, I said at the beginning, I kind of like horror movies that don't have soundtrack. This had almost no music in it at all. It was yeah. very pieced. Very, like, little bits of, like, a hymn in church. And then quiet, quiet, quiet. Dylan McDermott, I think, really throws the role he normally plays. What was the movie you said you liked? Uh, Home for the Holidays. Yeah. Uh-huh. So he's usually the sweet, like, kind of hunky guy. Yeah. And he's full-on BTK in this. So it's a good role for him. I think he's, he's very creepy. It's the Everybody acts, uh, does a beautiful job with the acting in this. It's uh, it's quiet but not slow. We'll yeah. Do it that That's way. a good way of putting it. Yeah. yeah. I loved it. Oh, so loved good. It. it was really creepy. Available uh, for DVD from the library. Um, obviously, now I, I got it streaming shutter because, like, <laughs> it's that time of year yeah but i double checked after i watched it to make sure it was available through the library and it is oh so. great excellent yeah. uh, my next recommendation is for a book uh and that book is the rust maidens by mm-hmm. gwendolyn christie not the uh uh woman from uh game of thrones oh. who's also named gwendolyn christie oh, really? <laughs> yes um uh brienne of tarth the gorgeous tall blonde woman yes I think her name is Gwendolyn Christie. The one that holds the avocados. Yes. Yep. Yep. Um, and this is a 
just for clarification, her last name is spelled K-R-I-S-T-E. Oh, okay. Um, but this book is another one that I read about in a horror review. I love reading other people's reviews of horror novels. And the description reads, Something is happening to the girls on Denton Street. It's the summer of 1980 in Cleveland, and Phoebe Shaw and her best friend Jacqueline have just graduated high school, only to confront an ugly, uncertain future. The girls they've grown up with are changing. One by one, the girls' bodies wither away, their bones exposed like corroded metal beneath what? their flesh. Mm-hmm. As rumors spread about the grotesque transformations, soon everyone from nosy tourists to clinic doctors and government men start arriving on Denton Street, eager to catch a sight of the Rust Maidens in Metamorphosis. But even with all the onlookers, nobody can explain what's happening or why, except perhaps the Rust Maidens themselves. Whispering in secret, and they, they know more than they're telling, and Phoebe realizes her former friends are quietly preparing for something that will tear their neighborhood apart. Alternating between past and present, Phoebe struggles to unravel the mystery of the Rust Maidens and her own unwitting role in the transformations before she loses everything she's held dear. Her home, her best friend, and even perhaps her own body. So if you put yourself into the mindset of Cleveland in 1980... Lake Erie might have been on fire. Uh, some factories may have been on the verge of closing down. Mob stuff. Mob stuff may have been going <laughs> on. Stuff. And this this book, I don't love body horror in mm. films. Mm-hmm. It really icks me out. Uh, this definitely has a lot of body horror because legitimately these women's bones turn to rust and start poking out of their skin. Yeah. It's pretty horrifying, Ew. but it's this really interesting metaphor for life in an industrial town or post-industrial town where the industry is dying and Mm -hmm. the neighborhood is dying and the dads are losing their jobs and factories or workers are going on strike. Um, The description of what happens to the girls and how they're changing and also how it kind of bonds them together as young women is really, really fascinating and interesting. And took me a little while to get into it, but then once things started happening, I really appreciated the the metaphor in this novel. So that is The Rust Maidens. That sounds really, 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 good. really good. Yep. And uh, uh, Indie Press, uh, huh. the author is from Cleveland. I think she has one or two other books out, uh, but we do have copies in the library. Did you read The Fireman by Joe Hill? I didn't. I've only read A Heart-Shaped Box by oh, Joe Hill. Oh, okay. Yeah. The Fireman, it's a, this plague that you start to get um, tattoos on your skin. There are these beautiful golden, like, tattoos, but then at some point your body just, like, basically, like, becomes a star. It, it, like, oh. it, it, like, you kind of explode in, okay. a, in, a, in a star kind of way. Nice. Yeah. I don't like body horror in movies either. Yeah. But I agree with you in, in books. It's kind of, it can be okay. Yeah. I, I mean, I could, I like picturing it myself and not I don't want to see seeing it. it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay, my last movie, and I don't know that I would call it my favorite yet, but I'm going to go with <laughs> the the schlocky one is The Living Dead at Manchester Morgue, also called Let Sleeping Corpses Lie. I found out researching it, there are 15 other international titles. I love it. It is Spanish-Italian, parading is British, and I honestly believed it. I was kind of surprised when I found out it was shot in Spain and Italy. The overdubbing is somehow better than, like... Bava or okay. like or like Dario Argento. Mm-hmm. Um, it is so set in the seventies. <laughs> nice. It is filmed in the seventies too. It's real seventies. Uh, main character's name is George. He rides a Norton motorcycle. Nice. He's a cool guy. <laughs> cool George. Cool George. Um, he <laughs> it looks exactly 
like Harry Nielsen from that cover in the in the black uh, leather jacket. Uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> I, he even wears the hat and leather jacket. Oh, he looks exactly like they Harry Nielsen. They found a poster to style. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> He's at a petrol station. A girl named Edna in a Mini Cooper runs over his Norton. Of course she does. And he's, like, so mean. He's, like, he's, I can't do a British accent, I think, because I do it all the time. But, like, oi, bird, give me a ride in your bed. And she's, like, can you drive? I'm tired. And he just, like, takes her car, basically. Like, they leave the motorcycle. And he's, like, give me a cigarette. And she's, like, aren't you being a little forward? And he's, like, no, I'm George. I'm a cool guy. Like, George. She's so annoying. And so all he keeps saying is, I've got to get to this house we're fixing up with my friends. And you're like, oh, cool. They have a cool house, too. And she's like, i got to get to my sister. And she doesn't give a reason. You're like, all right, I'm going. So they're in the car. They're trying to find the sister's house. They're arguing this whole time. Like, he's like, I've got to go to my house. And again, I can't do right? anything. I got. And she's like, i got to go to my sister's. <laughs> so they're, like, fighting. But, like, they get lost and... He's like, all right, I'm going to go up the road. I'm going to ask about what's going on over here. And she's like, I'm staying in the car. So <laughs> this is like as British or as, as like the guy sounds. Ex- I swear to you, Eric Idle did the voiceover. Oh, that's amazing. Picture like, cheer up, Brian. <laughs> Worst things happen to see, you know, like that's <laughs> picture that. And we're good. Uh-huh. <laughs> so um, she's in the car like smoking. It's a Mini Cooper. It's adorable. And all of a sudden, it's like from behind her. You see this guy, like, come out of the water, and it's it's not Night of the Living Dead zombie. It's slow, but it's gorier. Um, it's kind of like Day of the Dead, like, bluey kind okay, of yeah, zombie. yeah. He's got, like, this, like, cord around his neck, and you're like, was he hanged? Like, is you don't even know it's a zombie at this point, but, like, you're like, what's going on? So, meanwhile, he's, like, sneaking up on her, and... Apparently, like, Mini Coopers have no locks. Like, <laughs> here's what I'll say is annoying about this movie, and then I'll tell you what's good about it. What's annoying about it is those, like, tropes of the the bad boy who knows all the stuff and, like, the, the kind of, like, not sheepish girl who just screams and trips over things that aren't there. Some of that still exists in this movie. It's uh-huh. not, it's full on Barbara levels, which is my least favorite. Barbara. Like, my favorite movie, my least favorite character. Yes. Um, but that still exists in this movie. Uh, so the guy shows up at the car and she doesn't like lock doors or anything. She does try to get away. And actually she does that thing where, um, you like put it, put it out of gear and let it roll. Mm -hmm. So she's doing some kind of smart stuff. Again, this isn't full on Barbara. She's trying to get away. She's trying, but eventually, and I don't remember how she gets out of the car and all the other about it, but she's out of the car. She runs across this thing and she still kind of trips and does dumb stuff. In the meantime, the dude is up asking, Hey, where is this house? And there are these farmers that have this weird piece of equipment. He's like, what is that? He's like, oh, it's shooting radiation into the ground. It kills all the insects. <laughs> you're like, oh. oh. Like, okay, okay, I know what's going on here. So she, so the annoying thing is those those stereotypical horror tropes kind of exist. Uh-huh. The thing I found endearing about it, two things. Uh, Edna and George, at some point, get kind of lovey-dovey. And it's a will-they-won't-they they moment. And, like, when he comes back and she's screaming and crying because she'd been kind of like a spitfire before that, he's like, he calls her, like, darling or love or something. And and all of a sudden you're like, oh, wait, like, he's being kind of nice to her now. Like, he was such a jerk. And I know that's a setup, but they started to have some chemistry that I thought was pretty fun. Also, and this was in that 101 Scariest Horror Movie moments, uh-huh. they always talk about how the third act of zombie movies just goes, like, bleh, like all the way, did like, uh, weird stuff. Ha- it's always the worst of the, the movies. Yes. They were talking about um, Dot Record. Uh-huh. 
It was like a wreck. Yeah. Where the third act is good. This movie, I would say the best scene in the movie is in the third act. Is in the third act? Like, there's all this stuff. Her sister's a drug addict. There's all this other stuff. But Uh they get trapped in a crypt, and all the the guys slowly come back to life, and they can't get out. Oh, my gosh. um, It's spooky. It's very retro. Don't be mad at me. The ending is very, like, like off the cliff. Like, the fourth (laughs) act goes nuts. Um, But there is some legitimately spooky stuff, uh, like... Babies in the hospital start to get affected Ooh. by this thing, and all this creepy like baby stuff happens. Creepy baby stuff. Um, so yeah, I if I'm sure it's available from the library. It has 15 different titles, literally. So <laughs> try let sleeping corpses lie. I think that's the American title. Um, if you watch it on Shutter, it was uh, it was one of those where when you log into Shutter again, not sponsored by them, we just love them. Just love them. Um, it's always like playing now. They have like live TV. Yes. And it was in the first thirty seconds of The Living Dead at Rumor or at Rumor <laughs> at Manchester Morgue, different mm-hmm. morgue. And I was like, Will I watch this? Yes, I will. Yes, and I'm so, in. Um, yeah, get it from the library if you like that retro. If you like um, slow zombie stuff, if you like Night of the Living Dead, if you like retro stuff, if you've got patience for George, give it a yeah. shot. Awesome. It was good. I loved it. Living Dead at, at Manchester, Manchester Morgue. Morgue. Or, or Let Sleeping Corpses Lie. Let Sleeping Corpses Lie. Awesome. That sounds great. 1974. Mandy's been trying to get me to watch this movie for weeks now. It's and pretty good. I'm going to have to get on it. I am taking the day off on Halloween, so that might be my like eat breakfast and drink coffee movie. Yeah, I would say. And yeah. not ex- I wouldn't show it to kids, though, but it's not exceptionally. like There's some gore, but it's not. If you're not a horror, like big-time fan, you could probably get through this movie. Excellent. It's good. It's fun. Um... So this weekend, this past weekend, I was lucky enough to attend my first ever Nightmares Film Festival at the Gateway Film Center. This is something that my husband goes to every year whenever he can. We even attended virtually when the theaters were closed down. It is a four-day film festival full of feature films and short films. And I saw a movie that I want to put out in the world that everyone should go see because I really enjoyed it. Um, This movie was called Walking Against the Rain, directed by Scott Lias. Walking Against the Rain tells the story of two strangers, Blair and Tommy, who are navigating their way across a barren landscape in a desperate attempt to find each other. Uh, With their only form of communication being two soon-to-die battery-operated radio mics, and with a new evil in the shape of the Forsaken tracking them down, they must learn to confront loss and rediscover a trust in humanity. Uh, this one was one of the standouts of the movies I got to see over the weekend because it has a very small cast, it has very little gore, and it amps up tension so well. So when you the movie begins, you meet Blair. She's completely alone, and she's walking into an evacuation center. She's looking for water. It's pretty clear that, like, she's been alone for a while, and she is trying to figure out a way to survive. You don't know how long she's been alone. You don't know why she's alone, but, like, the scene shows things have been ravaged. Like, she's kind of, you know, scraping the bottom of the barrel in terms of, like, getting uh, bottles of water. And also, you can tell that she doesn't want to be there by herself. And she hears a noise and basically takes off and bolts. So you don't really know in the beginning of the movie what happened. You just know that she's by herself. And while she's in the center, she finds a walkie-talkie and takes it back to the place where she's living. And she's also doing the thing where you're, like, marking the days mm-hmm. off. Like, so it's been multiple days that she's been in this spot. 
And then the scene cuts to Tommy, who's running through an open field, and he's clearly being chased, but we don't know yet what he's being chased by. He ends up in a hayloft, and he also finds a walkie-talkie, and they turns it on, and they end up connecting through Aww. these walkies because they've obviously been, like, looking for food, looking for whatever they can. So they make this instant connection, and they agree on a place to meet. Obviously, luckily, England is a very small country, mm-hmm. and they know they're in radio range of each other. So they know they're going to be able to find a middle ground. And so the entire movie is both of them, they decide to check in three times a day, no matter what happens to them. So they know they're both still alive. And, you know, various things happen to both of them. But now that they have this other person out there, they're more willing to fight to survive and they end up in this. They well, I'm not going to tell you what happens. Ah, like they end no. up like, I, but it, it's just it's really really excellent. And you know it has a lot of the same tropes, like zombie tropes mm-hmm. and horror tropes of of what se- severe isolation does to people. But um, I just thought this one was really well done. And it had a great cast, and it was obviously a small cast that really brought a lot of talent to the table. I'm hoping it gets wide distribution because it was just really remarkable to watch. And that was called. Walking Against the Rain. The other thing to note about some of these movies is because they're so brand new or they're making their... I think this one was the North American feature debut, so it had already premiered in England where it was made. Sometimes when the movies get distribution, they'll change their names. Yep. So just keep an eye out for uh, a movie with that description. Um, And if you get a chance, I highly recommend watching it. Um, This film festival also has a lot of films made by people from Ohio, shorts and feature length. Um, Some friends of mine who also record a podcast had their feature debut for a really fun movie called Obstacle Corpse. Um, that <laughs> was all, It was really great. It was basically like a mud run or an obstacle run <laughs> gone straight to hell, which was so much fun. And there was also a really beautiful movie made by Ohio artists called Moon Garden, which I was telling Mandy about before we started recording. Moon Garden was one of the most beautiful movies I've seen in a long time and incredibly creepy. Um, yeah. What else do you have? Anything? Um, no, Did no, we get no. through five? We got through we five. We each got our five. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you for joining me. Thanks for having me. It was so fun. Sharing um, all of our top fives. And thanks, Via, for giving your recommendations. Yay. Time. Happy spooky season, Happy spooky everybody. season. Bye. Hello, Library Gals fans. It is Katie again. And we are going to be officially signing off on the Library Gals Go to the Library podcast. This podcast started as Library Guys Go to the Movies, where one of our former librarians made an excellent podcast with silly movies. It has morphed along the way. We were able to give excellent recommendations. We had a chance to talk to you about all of our favorite films, books, video games, podcasts, so much more. And it is time for Library Gals to go in a different direction. So we are so happy you listened to us, and we hope to see you at the library. You can listen to past episodes for recommendations, and we hope to see you soon. Take care. Join us next time on Library Gals Go to the Library, where we geek out about books, movies, and more. You can email us your questions, comments, or concerns, any feedback you like, at libraryguys@delawarelibrary.org. To check out all the digital resources mentioned in today's episode, or to request any items for your reading, viewing, or listening pleasure, visit delawarelibrary.org. 
We'll see you soon. Thank you.